We've got some stuff that he wrote that talks about, you know, the prevailing idea at the time was keep him in the dark and just, you know, expect them to come do their work and leave. And from the very beginning, he wanted to build a different kind of company. Welcome to Change Your Mindset Podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success, and especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. <laughs> yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. This episode, we are celebrating a very special birthday. Guess who turned 100 years old in 20? 21 white castle that's right white castle and i had the privilege and honor to sit down with jamie richardson vp of marketing and public relations and john kelly chief people officer at their new headquarters in columbus ohio to conduct this interview now we cover a lot but there's one thing certain those who love white castle will always have a story about their experience and we talk about some of those stories i can't share my story right now because um uh, I keep keep moving forward, Pete. So for those of you who listen who have never heard of White Castle, here's a quick brief history of the company. White Castle, America's first fast food hamburger chain, has been making hot and tasty sliders as a family-owned business for 100 years. Currently based in Columbus, Ohio, White Castle started serving the original slider in 1921. Today, White Castle owns and operates more than 360 restaurants dedicated to satisfying customer cravings morning, noon, and at night, and sells its famous fare in retail stores nationwide. The original slider, named in 2014 as Time Magazine's most influential burger of all time, is served alongside a menu of creatively crafted sliders and other mouth-watering food options, including White Castle's Impossible Slider, named by Thrills in 2019 as the best plant-based fast food burger. And let me give another plug. They came out with the Impossible Burger first, then Burger King, just for the record. White Castle's commitment to maintaining the highest quality products extends to the company owning and operating its own meat processing plant, bakeries, and frozen food processing plants. In 2021, 100 years after the first slider was sold, Fast Company named the fast food pioneer as one of the 10 most innovative dining companies. White Castle is known for the legendary loyalty of its team members, more than one in four of whom have worked at White Castle for at least 10 years, and also for its faithful fans, Cravers, many of whom 
compete each year for entry into the Craver Hall of Fame. And just name a few people who are in the Craver Hall of Fame are Alice Cooper, Call Penn, and Triumph, the insult comic dog. Now, before we get to the interview, let's talk about a couple of housekeeping items. Please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. I would greatly appreciate your support. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, The Accidental Accountant, where you can see previous podcast interviews that I've recorded. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. This episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC also known as The Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on-site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders, a story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and certified speaking professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in person and on site at your location or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Jamie Richardson and John Kelly. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, man, this is a huge treat for me. Normally, I'm sitting behind a computer on a Zoom interviewing, and I'm actually, this is live and in person at my favorite place. This is my Disney World, guys. <laughs> I'm at White Castle Systems headquarters with Jamie Richardson and John Kelly, two of the executives. And for those of you who don't know, White Castle celebrated its 100th birthday this year. And I wanted to get a chance to talk to these two guys about their 100 years of such a tasty, tasty little hamburger that it is. So first and foremost, guys, thank you very much for allowing me in the building again. I thought there was a restraining order at one point in time. (laughs) And taking time out of your busy schedule to be on my podcast. Before we get started, Pete, John and I had a question for you. Are you going to share those sliders and fries or are you just going to keep them all to yourself? I'm keeping them all to myself. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're a great man. You're allowed. This is so 100 years old. Now, I heard, and I don't know where I heard this from, that we're in Columbus, Ohio, where the headquarters is, but the headquarters initially was in Cincinnati. But you guys are uh, looking at me little, like A little further south, maybe. And west. Yeah, and west. Wasn't you guys in Southern Ohio? No, we actually started in the beginning, uh, March 10th, 1921, the first White Castle opened its doors in Wichita, Kansas. No. True story. Really? So, yeah, that's where our founder, Billy Ingram, John's great-grandfather, 
lived and, and worked, and he made a great friendship with a guy named Walt Anderson. Billy was a realtor and actually helped uh, Walt find a home, and uh, they became great friends, and then uh, they went into business together, and Billy had the idea to call the, the business White Castle, White for Cleanliness, Castle for Permanence and Strength, and that was the, the base of all cravings right there. So how did you guys get from Kansas, from Wichita, to Ohio, to Columbus? Well, slowly through the 1920s and 30s, we just slowly every year opened up a new city. And by 1930, right around the right about 12 months after the Depression, actually, uh, or the recession hit, we had just opened up New York and New Jersey. So at that time, Wichita was at the western edge of our whole system. There were, you know, roughly 100, oh, 100 and over 100 restaurants throughout the entire uh, system at that point. And so we decided, uh, Billy decided at that point to kind of move central. And the story I've always heard was that he really liked Big Ten football. So we were destined to be somewhere where there was a Big Ten football team and he picked Columbus, pretty central to all the cities that we were operating in at the time and bought the land that we're sitting on right now in 1934. Wow. Oh, I was just going to say, along the way, it was interesting because he and Walt Anderson remained friends throughout their entire lives. But Walt had decided he, he loved working with Billy in the hamburger business, but he uh, pursued another industry that was emerging in Wichita, uh, aviation. So he got involved in, in airplanes and doing things that way and sold his part of the business to Billy. And that uh, was right before Billy moved the business here to uh, Columbus, Ohio. And it's always been family owned. From yes. the beginning. From yeah, the beginning. Yeah, 100 years wow. strong. That's that's kind of remarkable as it relates to being a family business and the family business, the dynamics of it. So how many locations do you have now? 360 restaurants, but here's the fun news. We're in 50 states because um, we're in every grocery freezer aisle with our retail division mm -hmm. and our consumer packaged goods business, which continues to just grow by leaps and bounds and has been a real source of uh, nourishment, especially during these pandemic days that we're, we're heading out of, hopefully. So... I mean, I would assume that during the pandemic, the, the sales of the store the, in, the, in the freezer aisle capsules did fairly well. Would, would that be, I'm, I'm just guessing, correct statement? Yeah, I think, you know, everyone was uh, making sure they had their freezers full because none of us were going out and doing too much. <laughs> you know, I think that's, uh, it's a fair statement. It's, it did well. You know, as you know, Pete, we're privately held, so we don't disclose much. We know that you've got <laughs> Wall Street analysts and others uh, listening in right now, but uh, we, we keep a lot of that um, pretty confidential. But it's been a great source of growth for, for the business overall. It's an accounting professor somewhere in Manhattan, Kansas that's listening to this right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So maintaining a culture in a family-owned business has to be a challenge. And how has it evolved over the years? How, I mean, every time I, I come here and I hear stories, everybody loves this place. It's like family, and you keep it like family as you've grown. And how do you maintain that in this business environment that we live in today? Well, I think it's um, my great grandfather when he when he started the company. He you know wanted a different kind of company. The uh, he's we got we've got some stuff that he wrote that talks about you know the prevailing idea at the time was you know keep him in the dark and just you know expect them to come do their work and leave. And from the very beginning, he wanted to build a different kind of company. So you know he believed that happy team members, happy employees make happy customers, and it was the predecessor, I think, to the service profit chain that we talked about in our MBA classes and other stuff. 
So that's the uh, big foundation. And then his son, Edgar, definitely built on that and instilled it in our parents, my parents, and, you know, who instilled it in us. So it's, it's really passed on through the family. Uh, but it's also been something that it's definitely, you know, it's evolved a little bit over time in the expression of it. But the, but the key parts of it, treating everybody like family, it's an extended family is, is probably one of the, the big key parts. And just, you know, making sure that we constantly talk about it and use the values as the culture to make sure that we're ma- when we make a decision, it really is, is something that our executive uh, council, our leaders, te- leadership teams always look at. Yeah, I think John hits on something really important there in terms of when we make a decision, because I, I really believe that what we see here at White Castle is there's this, it's a different timeline. And when you're family owned business, the pressures are different, but it gives you the chance to make the decision over a longer time frame. So if it doesn't work out immediately, or you have a bad week, or things don't go as planned, a lot of times, uh, nothing against our colleagues who happen to be publicly traded, but there is Wall Street pressure and analyst pressure to hit a number within a certain time frame. So I would argue that that being family-owned business model has allowed us to really be more empathetic, more caring, and more connected, but also on the way to hold ourselves more accountable than any Wall Street analyst ever could have, because we've got bigger goals in mind that we're still striving towards. And the business results, uh, especially in recent years, have really been uh, spectacular, as well as having a great culture. Uh, John's being a little bit modest about it. We are certified as a great place to work, which is unheard of in the hospitality business. So pretty cool. And that's a lot of his efforts as chief people officer. But candidly, the collective efforts of 10,000 people really hoping, hopefully feeling like everyone's family and connected. Wow, congratulations. That, that, that's awesome news. Uh, in talking about this culture, I, I, I know I've asked you guys this, this question. That I do believe that you're an A student in my MBA accounting class and you failed. Something like that. Something like that. Something like I think that. it was yeah, the reverse yeah. of that. It was yeah. one of my only two Bs on my whole transcript was yeah. from Pete Margaritas. These people who want, you know, bourbon for grades. I mean, I applaud you for your ethical standards. Keeping it at uh, the high water mark there. Yes, and, but I have to, you know, give you bourbon? What's that all about? Yeah, you know, but professionals got to make a living somehow. The first thing he told us was, oh, my dog's name Makers. I got a Makers plate on my Miata. You know, it's like a whole package. I, you know, I'm leading the witness. Just <laughs> leading the witness. But you guys, I mean, I, I know you've told me this story, but I can only imagine what it was like when Hollywood came and said, hey, can we do a movie called Harold and Kumar go to White Castle? And there's a, it's about these left-handed cigarettes that the hippies smoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to hear new slang. Uh, yeah, that really, Hollywood did come to Ohio, and uh, it was one of those unexpected calls that um, actually came to my office. And so I answered, and uh, there's a, a woman who said, my name's Cassandra Barber, and she had a little bit of an English accent, you know, and uh said that there's this film, it's about two likable underdogs who spend an evening of misadventure and then make their way to White Castle. And I honestly thought it was one of those put on hoax kind of deals where for a small sum of $200,000, we could be part of it or something. So I said, well, send me the script. And it came two days later, I threw it in the bag and took it home and never forget, like, oh, I should probably read that thing. And she didn't mention it was rated R, uh, (laughs) you know, for raunchy. And uh, so... But we had good discussion internally. And then actually, I had the opportunity to, to ask our uh, third generation family leader, Bill Ingram, if we could participate. And I remember walking into his office and panicking. 
and thinking, uh-oh, I'm in trouble because I couldn't remember what I was going to say to pitch mm-hmm. it to him. And so all I could say is, it's got sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Other than that, it's really good for us. He looked up from his desk and said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, but Bill asked one great question, which was, um, does it make fun of our team members? And when I was able to tell him that, it was actually really favorable. He said, oh, that's fine then. So that's, uh, that's how Harold and Kumar got greenlighted, thanks oh. to Bill Ingram. Oh, that. Now, were you guys in it at all? Were you able to participate in the movie? I've seen it, but we I'm were at the um, we were at the uh, red carpet. We were at the premiere. We were at the premiere. Yeah. We were at we did a we did help participate. We had a, a little um, early premiere with the uh, there was a guy that was he was kind of an early influencer before influencers were called influencers. Yeah, Perry um, Knowles. Perry Knowles. That's yeah. right. That's his name. And the the, the uh, he was big in uh, talking about movies and things in Austin, Texas, and. They had a really fun little thing that we participated in, a uh, scavenger hunt through the city and then a premiere of the movie. And so we got to, we went down and served burgers and, and got to participate in that. And that was fun. And we did induct uh, John Cho and Cal Penn into the Cravers Hall of Fame. And, <laughs> Actually, and, and the writers too, right? Yeah, and the and writers the director? too. John, John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg and Danny Liner, God rest his soul. He's passed away. Oh, I but uh, yeah, it was a great event. We uh, had it down at the Arena Grand and had probably 1,200 people there. So it was a nice night uh, it's when Hollywood came to Ohio in May of 2004. That's cool. It did I, not win the Academy Award. It's so originally deserved. And for that, we continue to boycott the Academy <laughs> until they write it, uh, write history and get that done. Did they ever do a sequel? They did do a sequel. Oh. They did yeah, three. They did three. They did three. And uh, cousin Dave, Dave Reif, was in the third, uh, A Very Harold and Kumar Christmas. So uh, it's never too well, early to watch it. It's always the holidays when you put but, that but the other was the sequels that they evolved going the, to White Castle. The second one did not because okay. it was a. I think it was Guantanamo Bay. Bay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we don't have any castles that far south, but it did. <laughs> it did. The third one was. Uh, yeah, it was, there was a scene in, in a White Castle restaurant. Where, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Dave was the server. <laughs> he, and uh, kind of uh, reprising his role as undercover boss. Yeah, that's, that's right. what he was doing. Yeah. So like. Is our, he was our undercover boss when we were participated in that. That's right. I mean, you guys do a lot of wonderful things. I mean, you mentioned the Craver Hall of Fame. And you have some big names in the Craver Hall of Fame. And how did, they, how did it all come about? Just It was just an idea that marketing came up with and said, let's, let's start a Hall of Fame for our, some of our devotees. I think it was an idea that I think just developed over the years because, I, and John will attest to this, that, you know, um, or I'll, if you work at White Castle and you walk through the airport, someone's going to find you and say, you work at White Castle? Let me tell you a story. And so <laughs> I think we had the yeah. thought of all these great stories are out there. So in 2001, on a whim, it was, well, let's just put an invitation on the sack, the hamburger sack, send us your story. And we thought we might get, you know, 35, 40 stories. We got 837 the first year, wow. and ever since then, it's, the, the mailbox gets flooded every year. The, the emails come in, and um, fewer than 1% of those who, who apply are accepted into the Cravers Hall of Fame, which is why we say it is easier to get into Harvard than it is the Cravers Hall of Fame. <laughs> nice. And you're right. Everybody has a story about White Castle. I have a story about White Castle. Are you, I, wait, is I, this your pitch for the Hall of Fame? Because we're not the judges this year. Well, then forget about it. <laughs> Moving on. I'll wait. I'll wait to but we would love to hear your story. I, I, I will share the story off air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for the uncensored version. <laughs> so, Craver's Hall of Fame and some of the other cool stuff that you guys do as, as a company. And I, I think I, when you guys opened the Arizona Castle, 
I saw pictures and I heard stories from that. And you guys are working 17, 18 hours a day. Nobody's complaining. And people just came out in droves. Um, what was that like? I mean, I mean, that had to be, that had to be like a huge event and, and gave everybody in the organization a lot of pride. Yeah, I, I, I think it did. That one and the more recent one, Orlando, were both, I mean, people were waiting you know, four and five hours in line to get our, you know, our, 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 our food. So it, it really is, you know, a testament to, you know, I think it is more than, you know, there, there is something about, you know, it's a one of a kind taste. It's very different than what everybody else has, but there's also the idea that, you know, there's usually almost always some story attached to it that your grandpa or your dad or your mom or your frat brothers or your somebody in college, whatever your story is, you know, somebody has, you know, there's an emotional attachment to it as much as there is the attachment for, you know, a taste. I yeah, think. I, I agree. I just think it's something special that, I mean, if ever you want to see on display very vividly the fear of missing out, uh, those openings have become these big, you know, almost international events. <laughs> they made fun of us on The Tonight Show. Jimmy Fallon had a joke about the length of the line and the guy who's waited like six hours and gets up to the drive through menu board and says, uh, I've had much time to think about what I want, you know, so, uh, but it was, it was amazing that the drive through line was literally over two miles long and people didn't care, you know, would say, oh, you're getting close. You're still about two hours away. No problem. Thanks for being here. So um, there's something about the taste and there's something about the unlock it means for memory in terms of connection points. And it's pretty cool because there were definitely those folks who grew up in a White Castle market. There are a lot of people who are first timers and they just didn't want to miss this kind of epic event that was happening in their backyard. So um, it was really a lot of fun. Even before we opened up um, the castles in Vegas, we had done some food festivals where we had gone out and we drove the Cravemobile out and had an extra little tent. And there were, again, people waiting four or five hours in line. We had to, we had to turn it, we had to shut it off. And there were so many people who had would come up and say, gosh, I just, I just wanted to try them. And there's people walking away with nine crave cases. Why do I have to wait in that line? So the second time we figured it out and said, if you just want to try, if you want less than 10, get in this line and we can move through them pretty quickly yeah. because it is that fear of missing out. I've heard about them. I've never really had one or I've, maybe I've had this stuff in the, the, our food from the grocery stores Yeah, and they wanted to see how, you know, how close they are and they're really close, Yeah, but they just wanted to see it. And you'll appreciate this from an accounting perspective, Pete. We put limits in. I mean, it's as if there wasn't enough scarcity already. So the first limit we put in was we're normally open 24 hours. And so we can't do that in the beginning because we need time to reset. Right. The other big limit we put in is a 60 slider limit. And so, and with those limits in place, uh, we still shattered every record of every opening ever. Uh, Scottsdale did that initially. And then Orlando just shattered the, the Scottsdale record. So, yeah. I was talking to my mom before I, I, she called me and, and wondered what I was doing. And, and I said, I'm getting ready to go over to White Castle's headquarters. I'm interviewing a couple of the execs. She goes, man, it's not a White Castle. I wish there was a White Castle around here. She lives in Fort Myers, Florida. So, mom, there is. Just go to Orlando. Go get it. <laughs> just a little drive. Just, just a little drive. And, and that also sparks a story. I, I know you guys have, have delivered White Castles in unique locations. But I think the time that you guys went to Congress and then took White Castles into the, the House and the Senate? We were there on Capitol Hill, and uh, that was quite an event. So 
we didn't know it because there had just been a change in leadership and the new leadership, they were really welcoming and, and great. John Boehner had just become Speaker of the House. He's an Ohio guy. He's in the Cravers Hall of Fame. So he welcomed us. His staff didn't know that what we did was illegal. We weren't <laughs> allowed to be on the Capitol Hill grounds, but that's where we set up. And we've got a great picture of our friend, Mike Guinan, who's climbing the Capitol Hill steps, you know, with a Crave crate of 100 sliders to get them on into the, the Cravers who were there in line and waiting. And it was the most unifying moment in the last 50 years in Washington, <laughs> D.C. So we don't need a beer summit, folks. We need a slider summit. We need a slider summit, exactly. How'd you guys pull that off? I mean, did you have to, go through, get to put the sliders through security? Uh, yeah. And we did, actually. Yeah, yeah through we did. metal and detectors. Thankfully, uh, the Crave News the Crave Crate barely fit. <laughs> <laughs> we had a 16 of an inch to spare, which I'm just betting whoever designed the actual physical dimensions of that package knew because it worked. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, but, so you delivered to the Cravers uh, on Capitol Hill. Did that consider the Senate and the House or was it just only the House? Every, yeah, everybody was invited. Yeah, we, it, was we right were in the, it was in the Capitol building. Okay. So um, it was open to everybody. You know, everything's connected there. You got to know which tunnel, I think, to, exactly. to, to uh, find a way through. But yeah, they, the lines were immense and everybody was happy. And we had a fun uh, bipartisan ceremony. <laughs> You know, um, put some extra extra pickle on. Oh, I know. Now we know how to unite the parties. White Castle. Yes. White yeah. Castle unites. So I think maybe we should get uh, President Biden on board with this and have you guys up there more often than not. Before we do that, we're going to run John for statewide on the right to party party. <laughs> party party. <laughs> Got my vote. <laughs> that's, that's yeah, Beastie Boys uh, albums yeah. for everybody. So what, what's what's probably the most unique story that you could share. Uh, <laughs> when you start off with a laugh like that, it's got to be <laughs> There's a lot of stories. I mean, you've met a lot of celebrities. You were in New York with something, and it was, it was like a hip-hop person. Am I wrong? You were telling me it's probably, it's probably the fashion show. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a fun one. Um, and you know, that might be one of the most uh, unexpected uh, partnerships and friendships. I mean, we've had a lot of great friendships, but uh, in 2015, late in the year, we got a, a phone call to the 800 line and somehow it got forwarded to me. And it was about, oh, we had, we're a fashion designer uh, house and our sponsor canceled. And, you know, so I called them up and uh, the woman's name was Kirsty Dare. And I thought, well, that sounds like a good name for fashion. And then <laughs> Kirsty said, I said, well, yeah, you know, we, our budgets are small, but we'll, we'll consider it. And so she said, well, I'm going to connect you to Bobak Radboy. I thought, well, that's really a good name for fashion. <laughs> And so I met Bobak over the phone and we started talking and I thought, you know what, I think we can do this. And so um, we had a smaller budget than their sponsor who canceled. And he said, the only thing is we can't have an after party. So you got to have an after party. He goes, oh, I'd love to, but we can't afford it. He said, what if we had it at the White Castle on 8th Avenue? And he thought that sounded great. And so I'll never forget, we were there that afternoon, Bobak and I were folding up boxes and putting stuff together and putting stickers on cartons with their logos on it. And, and that night after the fashion show, that castle was like transformed. I mean, it was so there was a sense of license trespass because people came through the door, they looked around, we had the dining room closed just for them. There were big jugs of vodka sitting by the soda machine, and there were DJs spinning tunes behind the counter. And it was bedlam. It was unbelievable. And uh Something special was born that night, and Telfar today designs our uniforms. He was just on the cover of Time magazine. 
He's Liberian American. He was selected to design the Liberian Olympic team's uniforms. So he's uh, he's changed the world, and uh, he's changed our world too. So it's been really cool. Wow! I'm gonna get you in some Telfar. Get you wear some Telfar. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because every time I come down and talk to you guys about this place, I always and I, I kind of joke about it. I said, where can I fill out an application? But you guys have said, no, I'm too old. <laughs> not too old. Not, 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 not too old. You're not too old. You might stay. You're wise beyond your years or something. Make you feel a little bit better. But, you know, I, I think it goes, the, the testament to the culture of White Castle is why you've got all these people in Scottsdale and Orlando and these events and Congress and stuff. It's a testament to the culture, overall culture of this organization because not a lot of organizations have this kind of following. Not a lot of organizations have this kind of loyalty. And it came up in a recent podcast interview I did with a guy by the name of David Veach. He's a leadership guy. We were talking about brand. I said, we're talking about brand. White Castle's a brand. You have a following. You, you, you have merch. You're 100 years old. It's a family-owned business. You're not, you're not a slave to Wall Street, but you create this wonderful culture. Yeah, there's some, always some hiccups and stuff, but overall, it has survived 100 years. And that's not too many, not too many uh, organizations can, can attest to that and, and stay as nimble as you guys are. Now, we're in a brand-new building on the same grounds, beautiful location and, and by the way they do have a slide in the building to get from the second floor down to the first floor you guys did a wonderful birthday party but you had to do it social on social media that that my wife and i said and watched the whole thing and, and what you guys pulled off I, I just always amazes me what you guys do and the aura around this brand and you guys are you know probably don't See as much as others because you're you're in the you're in the trees. But when you step back, you guys kind of be going, "How did this is cool? It's probably one of the coolest things that anyone could have is to have this type of organization, this type of brand, this type of of following." I think that reference to the building is a great one, and John really had the vision to make sure this is a place where we could feel even more. I think connected to the brand. I mean, you just put so much into it. I think it's a fun, fun story to share in terms of how it developed and just some of the fun things you built in here. Yeah, I, I, we we wanted something, and I would, I guess, I would go back even. So I've been at the, I just celebrated my 29th uh, work anniversary, um, and I remember going back, and it probably was Bill is when we started, um, and honestly, you know, you leading the charge of things with things at J. Walter Thompson when we were, you know, not too long after that, I think. Um, after I started working here, but I remember we had a, a campaign and at the time slider, all of our operations, people were like, we never use that word. We don't call it that. And marketing at the time came up with, you know, it's okay to call them sliders or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, certain people were just in shock and everybody went to bill like, like, like we did with Harold and Lamar. Everybody went to bill and Bill's like the people who love them and eat them, call them that I, I, as long as they're buying them. We, who cares what they're what what we're calling them? So, it, that I think was probably a little bit of a turning point to say, you know, what, let let's not take ourselves so seriously that we don't participate in things like Harold and Kumar. And when I I have a a, a non White Castle colleague who serves who I serve on a board with, 
And there was a weird Saturday Night Live skit where we were mentioned. And he was like, oh, my God, what the, what do you guys think of that? And I was like, I think it's funny. And, uh, you know, there, there have been several of those. And that gets you, I think, some level of, you know, as long as we're not taking it seriously, we're, as long as they're not, like Bill said, they're not making fun of our team members. You know, we, you can make fun of other things and we're just not going to take it seriously. So we put the fun stuff in here like a slide and some other hidden little things that you might might run into and, you know, made fun of certain things on our timeline just to uh, that got, we lead you up the stairs just to, you know, say we're, you know, we're in this for fun as well. And I think that adds to the brand. Yeah, and I, I agree 100%. You know, it's just um, when you get to work on something you have passion for and you get to work with other people who share the passion, there's something about that uh, shared time together that's really special. And that transcends role or title or whether you're in the home office or in a retail food plant or one of the restaurants. It's There's a connectedness that's really... We get to help feed the souls of Craver Generations everywhere. That's our vision. And it's not just the poster that John has us put in the conference rooms. It's um, something that we really ask ourselves. Does this help feed the souls of our customers? Does it help feed the souls of one another? And then our mission is to create memorable moments every day. That's really empowering. Uh, it gives you permission to make it right. It gives you permission to surprise and delight. It, it keeps it fun. You, yeah, and like you said, if somebody said, oh, you're from White Castle, I got a story for you. <laughs> to this day, when I, leave, when I go to Columbus, if I go down to Lexington, Kentucky, visit some family, there is on the way down in Florence, Kentucky. There's a castle there. I stop. I have. When I come back, Florence, y'all. Uh, I'll try to make it to uh, just north of Cincinnati. I'm, I'm forgetting that that exit. South Lebanon. Yeah, South Lebanon. Right, right. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Uh, exit or two <laughs> north of uh, Kings yeah. Island. Yeah, I, I think it's another subtle pitch for this Hall of Fame thing. <laughs> but but I, I will admit, when I come back from Kentucky, I've, I've been with my friends and and we had some good libations, and there's nothing better. There are about three double jalapeno <laughs> sliders and fries and a big old diet coke getting me all the way back to you Columbus. You just renamed that combo. It's called the margarita stick <laughs> <laughs> I did forget one time I had that, that jacket that you guys gave me when I, when I did that keynote, that pullover. Oh, yeah. I, I was actually wearing it. And I, I walked into a castle and everybody was looking at me like, that's fun that's good times well, well guys I, I appreciate your time this has been a blast i literally i could talk to you guys for hours and hours and hours about this place and what you guys do and i do look back very appreciatively that day that you guys walked into my classroom at odu well, at least you john <laughs> <laughs> and, and <laughs> And, and the friendship that has been born from that. And just for the record, over that, when, when we met for the first time in the classroom, was a Monday after the uh, National Semifinals yeah, of basketball. I think so. yeah. and Kentucky was playing mm -hmm. Michigan State, and Kentucky lost by a point or two. And just as I'm closing the door, Jamie Richardson walks in with a Michigan State jersey. <laughs> And I'm thinking, what a brash move. <laughs> and, and before he sat down, I, I made an announcement to the class. This is the earliest I've ever flunked anybody in my class. <laughs> <laughs> so, the price of loyalty. <laughs> the price of loyalty. But that, that was, I, I share that story a lot. So guys, thank you very much for your time. Uh, and I look forward to uh, future conversations with you too. 
Hey, we'll see you at the drive through Pete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to make sure I have margarita specials. It's <laughs> in, in every restaurant. At every restaurant. Exactly. Yeah. At, at least yeah. in those two spots. Who's, who's your uh, property, intellectual property attorney? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks. See you, man. Crave on. I can't begin to thank Jamie and John enough for their time and sharing their stories about White Castle. The White Castle culture is the reason for their success these past 100 years and will continue to be successful for the next 100 years or more. Be safe, everyone. Like what you just heard? Visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.